Hello everyone, we are back for episode 3 of Motor City Revival. I know it's been a while and a lot has happened, but uh, some stuff has happened and I am glad to be back for episode 3. So, you know we got a lot to talk about. Of course, Red Hot Red Wings, man, they look really good. And of course, the Pistons looking a little troubled so far, only 3 games into the season. But, of course, as always, we start with the Detroit Lions. As you all know, last Sunday was a really big game uh, for this team. Playing the Rams in L.A., we all know the storyline. Matthew Stafford's first game against Detroit since the trade. Also, Jared Goff's first game in L.A. since being traded. There was a lot going on. And it kind of went how we expected from the results. You know, everybody expected the Lions to lose, and they did. But what we didn't expect was basically for the game to be one of the closest games that we had on Sunday because that Sunday slate was awful and I mean awful especially when you consider teams like the Ravens and the Chiefs getting blown out right and that was what we expected from this Lions team because this Rams team has been really good so far they have really taken it to teams like the Bears and the Giants who you could say are better than the Lions and we all expected the Lions to lose by a lot we expected them to just kind of fall apart like they did last week against the Bengals but it didn't happen what actually happened was they played the best game they played all year and I know it's weird to say because they lost by nine and we have two games this year where they lost by a last second field goal but here's what you have to remember that Ravens game they were really lifeless in that first half. And, of course, they came together in the second half. And that 60-yard field goal happened. And the Vikings game, it was kind of the same thing. They were really slow to start in the first half. Got to go in the second half. Got that last-minute um, touchdown. And, again, lost two field goal. But in terms of a full four-quarter, you know, keeping themselves in the game, not really getting too far out, and even having a lead, in the first quarter which is something that hasn't happened for this team if you didn't know past Sunday was the first time this season that the Lions not only had a lead but had a lead and were able to have the ball on offense right every time they had a lead the ball would go back um, to the opposing team and they'd score and so the Lions would never actually have a chance to extend that lead but this this past week they were able to do that and not only that they didn't play scared you know, they didn't play conservative, which is something that has happened. You know, they'll score and then, you know, they give the ball back. And then, you know, with the line, the way the Lions defense is, teams would just drive down the field and get a score. And the offense would stutter over and over. And then as soon as you know it, we go from, you know, only being down like maybe three to being down by 20. Like that's something that's happened a lot throughout the season. But. You know, they started off really well on Sunday. First off, you know, big 63, I believe, yard touchdown, um, golf to Swift. And then on the onside, on the onside kick, they recovered it basically like Madden, you know. And then a three and out. And then they go for a fake punt, a fake punt pass from Jack Fox, and it works. And that helps them get a field goal to extend the game 10-0. So they went two possessions back to back without even giving the Rams and that offense the ball back which is exactly 
what they needed to do. They needed to have the ball as much as possible for as long as possible. Keep it out of the hands of Matthew Stafford. Keep it out of Cooper Cup and Robert Woods and all those guys, you know, and really set the tone, right? Because this was the first time that they really played like a team that knew they were outmatched. They weren't trying to necessarily go both blow for blow and say, hey, oh, we have to punt here and we'll just expect our defense. Like, no, no, they didn't do that. What they did was they said, hey, we're not giving you guys the ball, right? We're going to keep the ball for as long as we can to put points on the board, to get a cushion to get a cushion on this game because we know that we can't hang with y'all in a true blow for blow, possession for possession game. You know, and they went for fake punts twice, right? A fake punt pass and then a fake punt run. And not only did they convert, they got a lot of yardage from that too. Basically kind of flipped the field and got into Rams territory. And again, this was the best game plan they had all year. Because every other time, you know, they would, again, try to, you know, go and keep up. And they can't, they don't have the talent. They, they just don't. And I feel like this is something that, they need to do for the rest of the season no offense they need to play desperate because this is a desperate team they have so many injuries on both sides of the ball Romeo Core is out for the season Jeff Okuda is out for the season you have guys in concussion protocol right you know and even Taylor Decker still hasn't played a game yet so that offensive line has been dismantled especially with the news that Frank Ragnall's out for the year off of turf toe and the the surgery that he needed to fix that so you're not gonna win this you're not gonna win games this year just by playing you know a fair game you kind of have to scum it like man you have to do fake punts and onside kicks right like that's something you have to do but another thing about this game was the performance of deandre swift who i believe is becoming one of the best backs in the league from a true versatile standpoint of not only can he run, but he is becoming a very, very reliable receiving threat. Because we all remember Swift's first game as an NFL player. It was that Bears game where he had that pass in the end zone and he dropped it. It was right in his hands. And we saw how heartbroken he was that he dropped in, that they ended up losing. And as we're seeing now, not only is he comfortable in catching a ball, He's comfortable in doing it over and over, and he's gaining yards. He's getting all these yards at the catch, right? And this is what modern running backs do. You think about guys like Christian McCaffrey and Alvin Kamara. That's what those guys do. They're not just running the ball. They're not just getting, you know, five, six yards every carry. They're guys that you can put on screens. You can put them on wheel routes. You can you can expect those guys to not just get you five or six yards in the pass. You can expect them to break tackles get in the open field for 10 to 20 yards and, and really help the offense and really, you know, expand the playbook. And he's becoming that. You know, they're even calling third and 11 draw plays for him. And he's converting them or at least getting them closer to, to actually converting them, right? Like, that just doesn't happen. You know, like that that's just something the Lions haven't had in a while, a back that not only can run the ball, but you know, you can use on both sides, run and pass. And it really helps, especially for a guy like Jamal Williams, because he's not exactly someone you could depend on in the passing game. But on the run game, he'll get yards after after tackles, right? He'll, you know, it takes more than one tackle to get him down. So 
the running attack has been just really, really good. And I can only recall one instance where I didn't really like the play call in this game, and that was on both third and one and fourth and one. They were really close in the Rams territory, and they basically ran back to back runs up the middle, with I believe with Swift, and it didn't work. It was third and one didn't convert, and fourth and one they tried to hurry it up. And the Rams were ready, and it was a turnover on downs. Just another, you know, fourth um, down conversion that hasn't worked. But they made up for it because the next drive for the Rams, it was a fourth and one, and Stafford was looking for the tight end. And guess who made the stop? It was Julian Accor out in coverage. Why? I don't know. I guess that's how the play went. But he was able to get a hand out and deflect the ball. And that was, I believe, the first time the Lions got a stop on fourth down this year, which, I mean, not the best stat, but still still pretty good. So, and, and another thing about this game, right? We all know who they're playing. They're playing the Rams defense. They were playing Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald. And if you watched that game, you didn't see Jalen Ramsey on Khalif Raymond, right? You saw Jalen Ramsey on TJ Hawkinson. And that's got to be a really big boost for the reputation of TJ Hawkinson and maybe it's also kind of a, a tale of how bad the Lions receivers are to Jalen Ramsey and gotta cover him but hey TJ Hawkinson is a big guy and Jalen Ramsey is a corner who is physical and he takes the challenge and he said he wanted TJ one-on-one and he was shadowing him the entire game but that actually opened up the opportunities for Khalid Raymond who I believe had over 100 yards receiving he had a few uh, good games only five receptions too so um, that was really great for a Hawkinson if we're talking about Aaron Donald you know one of the most physical interior linemen we have in this game right like he is someone that you always have to look out for you're always double teaming him you can't leave him one-on-one and for the most part the Lions had him contained right not only that you had him going face-to-face with Panay Sewell, and Panay didn't look scared at all. He was drawn right back at him. You know, Aaron Donald grabbed his face mask. Panay grabbed the face mask back, and you looked at him, you know. And, you know, Aaron Donald's a big guy, and Panay Sewell's 20 years old, and he looked just as big as Aaron Donald. So that is the type of person we have currently playing left tackle for the Lions as a rookie. That type of guy who isn't scared at one of the best defensive linemen the NFL has ever seen. So, yes, we're 0-7. Yes, there's been some bad games, but we have played with heart and we've played with a fight that a lot of people have respected, especially considering the fact that we were playing the Rams. And Matthew Stafford was basically torturing us the entire game with Cooper Cup because our secondary is just depleted with injuries. But that's what we expected. We, we expected um, the Rams to just throw the ball all over us. And they did. But we were up 10 points. Right? How many teams in the league can say they were up by 10 points against the Rams? There's only one team. And that's a team that's undefeated. It's the Cardinals. Right? They came in to SoFi and just torched the Rams for four quarters. And we did it for one. That's got to stand for something, right? That that has to. Um, and, of course, next week, or at least I should say this upcoming Sunday, we play the Eagles. And this is the best chance we have to win. You have to build off the momentum from this game against the Rams. You can't come into this game 
looking as bad as you did, as bad like you did against Chicago, where you came in and you were basically lifeless and you were turning the ball over in the red zone, or against the Bengals, where your offense were just getting three and outs over and over and over and letting that defense hang out to dry. You have to to build on this because the Eagles haven't looked terrible, but they haven't looked great. They have problems. They have lack of receivers. They have a lack of depth in the secondary. They have a bad offensive line. They have a young quarterback who's still trying to find his way but isn't exactly the most accurate, but he is very mobile. So, you know, you have to contain him, and we'll see what happens. And they have a head coach who, like me, doing a podcast, except he's a head coach and he shouldn't do this. He's just a guy that just rambles on. I don't know if y'all saw this, but there's an interview going around. There's a clip where Sirianni's talking about fertilizing and seeds and it, it it sounds like me doing a podcast but again this is my first time doing this he's a head coach right he, he's got to be better at the coach speak right and that's the guy we're facing right he for as much as you like to talk about Dan Campbell and how he talks right he sounds sounds good he sounds like he knows how to talk sounds like how he can cut a promo you know so I'm really expecting the Lions maybe not to win this game but to at least keep it close. I can't see them coming out flat, right? You have the game plan. You have the blueprint for winning. It is being aggressive. It is taking chances, right? Taking good chances. And they have the ability to do that. They've shown that. So if they come out and they're down like 14-0 in the first quarter, I'm going to be more disappointed than even if they came back and won, right? Because that's unacceptable, right? Especially against a team again like Philly, who has just struggled. So that's what I'm expecting out of the Lions. Now on to the Detroit Pistons. Currently 0-3. And I'm going to say this right now just to let you guys know. I'm not panicking, right? They're 0-3 and they've played two playoff teams or what we expect to be playoff teams they played Chicago back-to-back you could say they should have won the first game because it was pretty close second game kind of got away from them they were on the road and then the third game another road game against Atlanta and Atlanta this is a team that made the conference finals and in three of those games in those three games you didn't have Kate Cunningham you didn't have your number one pick and in the Atlanta game you didn't even have Jeremy Grant so that's that's what I expected and this is a tough, tough Eastern Conference. Not even talking about Milwaukee or Brooklyn or Philly. We expect those teams to be good. We're talking about other teams, right? Cleveland looks good. The Pacers look good. The Hornets are looking really good. You know, Celtics are kind of up and down, but we expect them to to figure it out. You know, Miami is on a tear. They just beat... um. Brooklyn pretty handedly they beat my not they beat uh Milwaukee pretty handedly right there are legitimately 12 teams I didn't even talk about the Knicks the Knicks look really good they just beat Philly pretty handedly too there's so many good teams in the east and the Pistons aren't there yet and that's that's fine right like there's there's a lot of talk about them maybe sneaking into a play and the way the Eastern Conference is looking. I don't think that's going to happen, right? I think, first of all, it's just too high expectations. They're too young. They're still figuring it out, and I believe they should have the opportunity to figure out without having high expectations. And 
not only that, the bench unit has been pretty bad for the Pistons so far. And I mean, they're getting no help. Like, you can say what you want about the Stars, but the Stars are performing, right? Sadiq Bey has been doing really well. Killian Hayes has been up and down, but you expect that he played decently against the um the Hawks. Didn't shoot that well, but he did make two threes, first two threes of the season, I believe. Um, Isaiah Stewart has been good. Uh, this bench has been just awful, especially at the guard position, right? Frank Jackson, he's only made, what, two threes in these past three games in 13 attempts? That's not good, right? Not good for someone who we expected to to be able to shoot the ball really well from outside. He actually played pretty decently in preseason. I don't know why he's starting the season so bad, but that's not even the worst of it. It's even worse when you have a guard who is your most experienced player on the roster. And he's been shooting horribly. And I'm talking about Corey Joseph, right? Corey Joseph has not been good. And this bench unit is suffering because of that, right? It's already bad when they don't have the depth of other teams. But especially at the guard position when you're missing your number one overall pick, you can't have your backup guards just not playing well, especially when your starting point guard, Killing Hayes, isn't exactly lighting the world on fire right now. So this Pistons team has a lot of work to do, but I expected that, right? I had low expectations for this team in the beginning, even before I heard about Cade's injury and, and everything else, right? This team's going to go through a lot. They're going to be playing against tough teams every night, inside their conference, inside their own division, right? Think about it. Milwaukee and Chicago, top teams in the East right now. And then you have the Pacers who are trying to get back into playoff contention. And now you even have the Cavs. So four out of your five teams are going to be fine for a playoff spot, and you're the one team that's still rebuilding. That's just not going to work out in terms of your chances of even getting the play-in spot. So, but again, things could change. And remember, Cade hasn't even played a game yet. We don't know how this roster is going to be when Cade's out there. And I have to keep reiterating that because it's so easy to press the panic button now. But you have to think about it. If you don't have your best player out there, you know, how can you really gauge a team, right? The Lakers are without LeBron now. How good are they with just Russell Wilson and Anthony Davis and all those guys? What if, you know, the Bucks weren't playing with Giannis? The Nets are missing Kyrie Irving, and James Harden looks just out of it, and the only player that's really showing up for them is Kevin Durant. So how can you really judge them? You can't judge a team overall without their best player, especially in the NBA when the best player means so much. So when Kate comes out there, that's when I'm going to start judging team. That's when I'm going to start judging offense and the flow and all this and all this other stuff and how they play on defense, right? How Killian gels with them, how Sadiq gels, how Jeremy Grant gels with, with Cade. That's going to be where I'm going to start to judge this Pistons team and see how far they are because they are still pretty far in terms of contention. And I think it does start from seeing Cade play and then you kind of move there and see what pieces you need. But especially from that bench, you need a lot more. Because you're not getting it right now. I'm seeing like minus 20 plus minus box scores from the first three games from the bench unit. Like that's not good, right? You, you have to be able to keep your team in contention in games in the regular season. You know, your starters could be the best, but if your bench is giving up 10 points, 15 points and 
putting yourselves in big holes, that's going to put a lot of work um, on your starters, and that can't happen. So the 0-3, don't panic yet. It's a long season, 79 games to go. Cade is working his way back, and I am grateful that they're not rushing him and they're not panicking. Um, and I think when he comes back, hopefully be 100%, and we'll get to see the best out of this team. But right now, it's not looking good. But again, we just have to be patient. All right, and before we end this podcast, you know, I just want to end it on a good note, and I think it's I think it's time to finally say it. I think the Red Wings are good, right? It, it just seems like they're actually good this year, and I didn't expect it right there. Uh, so a little bit of background, I was originally going to record this podcast on Wednesday. I decided that, you know, I should look at the schedule, and I saw that the Red Wings were actually playing the Capitals. And if you know anything about the Capitals, you know they have Alex Ovechkin, who is still out here being one of the league leaders in goals and points and all of that. So I'm like, okay, let's see how this young team does against a team like the Capitals, who recently won a Stanley Cup a few years ago. And if you know anything about the Red Wings, currently, at the at the time, they were 3-2-1, and one, right? Maybe should have not lost that game against Tampa Bay when they were up three goals in the third period and then just let four goals be scored on them by Tampa Bay. Didn't know what that was about, but they've been good. And, you know, they were down 2-0. And I thought that, oh, wow, this is a bad idea because now they're going to be three and have, you know, another loss. Then they came back and won in overtime. With Dylan Larkin, the captain, scoring the goal, right? So now they're 4-2-1. And, and I got to say, this, this team is fun, right? And I had this theory about the Red Wings as they are now, right? So what the Red Wings have right now, they have the youth and all the excitement around that that the Pistons have. They have the, the grit and the fight that the Lions have. Right, and it's all in one team, but unlike the Lions and the Pistons, they're actually winning games too, and that and that is the part that's surprising me, right? Is that you know they're not just in games, they're not just competing, but they're actually winning. They have really young talent coming through. Lucas Raymond is 19 years old, and he's already got four goals and four assists in what seven games. He has a hat trick already. Tyler Bertuzzi has a hat trick too. There's two teammates that have hat tricks already. We're not even 10 games into the season. And if we're also going to look at the stats that I got right here, Maurice Sider, another young guy, has six assists already. Right, The, the youth is coming in strong for this Revings team, and they're performing well, and they're winning, right? Like, Yeah, they've had a few bad losses. The Lightning was one of them, and they basically got shot out another game, but then they came up against the Blackhawks. And one, and again, recently winning in overtime against a pretty good, uh, pretty good uh, Capitals team, right? Like, this is exciting for the Wings. I remember talking with Nolan on the first episode about guys like Raymond and Cider, and if they were ready to play. And you know, he was, I think, more, I guess, like more patient with it than I thought. But my stance was, if they're ready, let them play. And they look ready. Like, and in just the first seven games, if you haven't really seen them, they, they're tough, right? Like I talked about Peniso earlier, but I don't think that anybody on this team is just going to you know, get run over, right? Especially Dylan Larkin. I just remembered that first game and he got 
shoved into the glass by somebody. I can't even remember the name. And not even like a few seconds later, threw them gloves down, put them fists up, Detroit style. And he was ready to fight, right? I know they don't allow fights anymore in hockey for some reason because that actually seems to be a pretty cool part of the game. And apparently you could still do in the games too. But yeah, man, this this is a young team, but they're doing pretty well. I think they're even a bit ahead of schedule too from what I thought like especially from that first game right we all kind of thought oh well this team's going to be a little fun but they're probably going to end up with a losing record not going to be one of the worst teams in the league like they were last year but they're not really going to be in the hunt and it's early but I think they could even get a playoff spot right and, and again it's early but they just look they look good I don't know what it is right offense is is doing better they're actually scoring right because they have guys that can do that. And I think one of the big changes to that has been Raymond. Again, he has four assists. He's been setting guys up. And I that's that is really important in hockey. To not just get guys that can score, but get guys that can set other people up for shots. You're not going to get those shots all the time because the goalies are so good usually. But at least you have those opportunities. And those opportunities just to even get those goals were missing last year they've been missing for this Red Wings team to have someone so young and again this is NHL right we expect it all the time in the NBA that 19 year olds come in and they become one of the best players on the team you know guys like Luka Doncic and Trey Young like those guys came in pretty much out the gates high and even guys like John Moran it's not that common in the NHL and I also saw this stat too about I think rookies or first season guys or whatever with a hat trick in Red Wings history there were three guys one of them was Raymond the other two or Gordie Howe and Steve Yarsman like that is some really really big company to be a part of and I'm not saying that he's gonna be one of those guys because those are all-time hockey greats but he if you start like that I mean, we can we can start the conversation at least, right? So, if you haven't watched a Red Wings game, I really, 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 and I mean, man, I don't know. I'm just excited, right? Because it's been such a long time since we've seen like good hockey and not you know the typical stuff they were doing in like the early and mid two thousands where they were just kind of getting playoff spots just to keep the streak alive and the team really wasn't gonna go that far. Um, so I really recommend watching the games. I really recommend watching these young guys because they're fearless, they're talented, and they're 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 coming for the NHL, right? It, it's happening. It's happened a bit sooner than I thought. I don't think they're in true contention. They might not even make the playoffs this year, and I wouldn't even be shocked if later in the season, you know, they just kind of fall apart or whatever because we kind of saw that in Tampa. You kind of saw the youth coming in and them not being able to hold that lead especially against a team like Tampa Bay who by the way they're the current reigning defending Stanley Cup champions and they almost got blown out um on the road against a Red Wings team that you know the expectations were kind of all over the place in the beginning of the year right and you know something that did help the Red Wings was the fact that the first four games were all were at home right like you can't ask for a better start and so um, once the season comes along, once it starts getting longer and, you know, once teams maybe figure out the Red Wings for some reason, you know, maybe 
maybe the excitement is down. Maybe they kind of fall back to earth. But so far, so good. It's more that I can say for the Pistons. It's more that I can say for the Lions. Of course, the Tigers are in their offseason. So right now, Red Wings are the hot team in Detroit. I know I might be kind of putting them up too high. But you have to understand, I wasn't expecting much. I have low expectations for all the teams right now. I was not expecting the youth to be good, especially Raymond, right? Like he... We weren't expecting him to be on the roster for this year. We were expecting him maybe one more year before he got on, but he played really well in the preseason, and now it's the regular season, and he's still playing pretty well. So, hey, shout out to him. Shout out to the Red Wings, and shout out to all of you for listening. It's the end of the show. Episode 3 is done. I know it took me a while, but glad to be back. Hopefully, I could be a bit more consistent. Um, we got some big games coming up. Pistons. Hopefully, Kay Cunningham will be back by the time um, episode four comes out and we can start really analyzing the Pistons and what they look like with him on the floor. Hopefully, the Lions get their first win sooner or later. It is going to be a pretty special game because Chris Spillman is going to be honored um, being added to their ring of honor, whatever it's called. I don't even know. Um, There was a pretty cool video of the Lions organization kind of letting him read the teleprompter of his own announcement. That was pretty good. If you haven't watched that, I would watch it. They got a good chance against Philly to get their first win. A lot of good momentum from that Rams game. Hopefully they continue that. And hopefully the Red Wings continue on their uh, good streak as well. So that's episode three. Thank you all for listening. And I'll catch you next time.